Well, hey, how's it going? If you are just seeing this video, I hope that you go back and you watch the other videos. This is your first time, but you would like to hear more about what we're going to be talking about, please hit the subscribe button if you're listening on podcast or the subscribe button on YouTube if you're watching it right now. That'd be awesome. And I don't know where I'm supposed to be looking. I always get that off all the time. I'm working on that. Uh, so the second uh, podcast that we're going to be kind of uh, having a conversation about will be focusing, I'm not really going to be focused on much actually. I'm going to be kind of rambling. Uh, I believe, or I found out from myself that when I talk out loud, I come up with ideas. So these first few episodes have just been kind of like getting myself acquainted with how to do all these kind of things, uh, how to record better, how to just kind of, you know, figure out these, not crack my knuckles while I'm in a recording. Uh, although that might happen a lot with this cold weather. However, just trying to focus on uh, getting kind of into the discussion of identity and what our identity in Christ is. Um, now we're going to talk about a couple things uh, through this little first spiel, but uh, really I'm hoping just to kind of continue to dive in and keep this conversation going. Uh, and, uh, that's where we're going to go. Yeah. So we're going to talk about identity or identify, what do we identify as, you know, uh, as human beings, uh, human beings, we, we unfortunately have, you know, the world wants to kind of group us into these sectors in the secular world. We're going to use the word secular. We may come up with a different word going forward. I may find a better word to kind of do that. But we're going to point to secular. Secular means, you know, separate from, you know, everyone's heard that, you know, secular. Basically a worldview, a, a non-Christian worldview, as you will. You know, they want to uh, put these identifiers, these categories, you know, you know, one, two, three, four, you know, these are the things you have to go by, you know. And uh, unfortunately, some of these categories, I believe, my personally and through other people's research and what I've seen and I'll be indicating some of those further on in, in this discussion in this series uh, race I believe it's a, it's a thing um, uh, Ken Ham is a great uh, reference for those kind of things in, in regards to Christianity about uh, really we're not we're one singular race of human beings and we uh, are just beautiful and awesome and different each one of us we're one race but there, there's no and that race race mentality just kind of you know it divides us of course in this time it divides us gender or lack thereof yeah, i said it um fame politics education wealth location nation language appearance I mean, you get the point you know there's all of these this this determining factors that come in has a couple of identifying you know factors uh that i believe you know there may be more but i'm pretty sure this is about it you know you're either you are a follower of christ a christian or you are a non-believer you're lost you know those are the identifying factors uh when it comes in the conversation you know with with god and identifying ourselves and when we find our identity in christ and we focus on that identity that's when we can really uh we can really become ourselves, I believe. Now remember, 
I'm coming from a Christian perspective. If you are not and you're coming into this and you're like, this is weird. Now, hear me out. Listen to this. Continue on. You know, uh, we're going to be talking about identity. And if you have issues with identity, you have issues with, you know, who am I? What am I supposed to be doing in this life? You know, where am I supposed to be going? Kind of mentality. Um, I hope that this brings you in and kind of helps you to realize that there is something huge uh, in store for you when it comes to Christ and, uh, you know, believing in him, accepting him. So in the Evangelical Dictionary of Theology, there's this word, or actually when it comes to, you know, the conversation of, of being in the image of God or identifying within the image of God, um, there's this word called Omega D. Omega D. We'll get... I'll have a full lesson or a full video, full conversation on our podcast about that specific thing. But right now we're just going to talk about the definition that is given to us. Uh, the doctrine that humanity is in certain respects created in the divine likeness. Uh, the Bible answers the question of the nature of humanity by pointing to the Omega D. Uh, that huma humanity by creation uniquely bears the image of God, is a fundamental biblical doctrine, as it is also that this image is sullied by sin, or you know, muddied by sin, and that it is uh, restored by divine salvation. Humanity's nature and destiny are interwoven with this foundational fact, and speculative philosophies inevitably strike at it. Uh, when they degrade humanity to animal am, animality and animal nature, that's where we're going to go for it, or otherwise distort the personality. So when we have this conversation, you know, you've got these categories, you know, of, of life uh, or of what the, the secular worldview wants you to put forth. You know, you've got uh, the race, the gender, uh, uh, fame, politics, education, wealth, location, nation, language, appearance. You know, you've got these things. And then, of course, there's more categories that people want to just throw on there um, to kind of further confuse anyone. And uh, when I have conversations with my my students, you know, these are things that they're trying to find out. They're trying to figure out, find out where they fit in in this whole conversation uh, of life. They're trying to figure out where they fit in um, who they identify with, what they identify with, who uh, they should be focusing on in their lives. And so many of them are confused because the world is telling them that this is where they need to go. These are the things they need to do. This is the, the path that you have. And then you've got other factors. Um, uh, we'll just ball back to, you know, like, uh, I think they call it the 1950s, you know, male female dynamics, you know, like a woman stays at home, the man works, you know, and provides for the family and all that kind of thing. Now, granted, that is not the perspective that we have in this life. Um, those, those roles that are, that are put forth are not there. Uh, I mean, there are in some aspects, there are some people that follow that, that, that original, you know, norm, if you will, by the way, quotations, if you didn't, you know, podcast, you can't really see those quotations. Um, but when we, when we look at these things, uh, you know, growing up, if if you don't fit in that, especially as little kids, even even in 
in some perspectives, if you don't fit in those kind of categories, you know, you are the girly girl or the guy, the manly man, or you know what I mean, the boy boy, you know, those kind of things. If you don't fit in that, those areas, you're called, you're called different. You know, you're called weird. You know, I remember growing up, and if you were uh, effeminate as a man, you like to dress nice, or you, you know, like to dress up, or you, um, you didn't really do all the dirty, nasty things that boys did. Um, you could be construed in a different way. And I know that uh, I was not like a really feminine kind of guy, but I didn't like to get dirty all the time. I didn't like to do, you know, certain things that guys, I mean, I'm better now, but when I was little, you know, dealing with OCD parent, you know, uh, however, you know, uh, uh, I've learned that I'm just different. You know, I like to match things. I like to look at, I mean, not anymore. I care less, but I used to. Um, of course, really, it just degraded into I wear black shorts and you know t-shirts, so I didn't have to match anything and I didn't have to look good about anything. Um, but I am particular about my beard now. Very particular about my beard and my hair. It's got to be swooped the right way. It'll look good, you know. But is that necessarily bad? You know that I want to look nice sometimes, um, and I just don't want to be a grungy. And then of course you've got um females that don't fit that um that mold you know uh they may be a little more tomboyish than some they don't want to wear the dresses they just want to be comfortable you know they want to go hunting they want to go do these you know they want to work on vehicles i mean and i know that these are very generalized things that i'm talking about here i'm not i'm not going to touch on everything and i'm going to upset people with what i say but here's the thing that's that's why it's bad if I'm upsetting you, you need to rethink why that's upsetting you. You need to rethink why that you feel these ways or you think these things. Um, uh, yeah, you know, and I need to, you know, do that too. You know, when I grew up, when I was growing up, you know, you you just you didn't blur the lines, you know, uh, or at least in my conversation, it blur the lines. I mean, of course, I grew up in a in a, a non woke society. That word woke is so stupid. Um, you know, you've, uh, this conversation, uh, can continue and can continue bringing on and everything. And I know that, um, even as I speak, I know I sound ignorant. I sound uh, uneducated with my conversation. Um, but that's the thing. Am I, or am I just trying to be super simplistic with the conversation? Uh, when it comes to following God and following the way and following what he has for us, you know, uh, everyone points to that one scripture, you know, Genesis, you know, you've got Genesis, uh, it's not one, one, uh, Genesis one, here we go. So Genesis one twenty seven, um, and he said, so God created man in his own image in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created him. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Um, and continuing on and uh, down to verse 31, it says, and God saw all that he made and behold, it was very good. And then this is talking about, you know, us in the image of God, human beings is very good. Every single other time, uh, you know, he says it uh, and each, you know, you've got the, the fifth and the fourth and the the third, you know, back and forth. It was good. Like, you know, in verse, the ending of verse 25, 
and God saw that it was good. Um, you know, it was the morning, it was the evening, and the fifth day, and then, you know, it was good. It was good. You know, these things, but when he had created human beings, it was very good. Or it, in the translation, it would have been good, good. You know, very good. Uh, so when it comes to this image of God, um, there's a few defining factors that some people kind of put in to who God is. And some people will say love. And I believe that, the love. But here's the, here's the thing. What is love? You know, love can be caring. Love can be, you know, can be there for you. It can be kind. Um, and, of course, if we point towards, you know, what, what Paul says in Romans about love. All right, so uh, I keep hitting stuff. You're going to hear a lot of noises. Romans 13, 8. You know, we're talking about the verse, you know. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirement of God's law. Uh, for the commandment says you must... Yep, this is not it. This is not what I was looking at. That's okay. For commandment say you must not uh, commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment love your neighbor as yourself love does not love does no wrong to others so love fulfills the requirements of law yes i was looking for first corinthians 13 oh, oh bad okay uh so we're gonna we're gonna read that and then we're gonna kind of look at it a little bit um so we're gonna start in verse four you can, re you can pause here and read 1 through 3, give a little bit of context, but we're going to start in 4, because, uh, you know. Uh, so, 1 Corinthians 13, 4, it says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not ir irritable, and it keeps no record of wrong being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It always it is always helpful and endures through every circumstance. So and you're looking at this perspective of this is what love is. You know, love is patient, it's kind, it's not jealous, it's not boastful. But also if you look at Jesus in in his love and in, in, in what he did. There was correction in there. There was correction when it came to when it came to Jesus and when it came to what he wanted for us. He corrected people. He put them on their toes. He he altered the conversation. You know, so when we're talking about love and people saying, you know, you should love everyone, but yeah, you should also, you know, learn that we <sighs> sorry. I get I get a little frustrated when People want to focus it all on love, but they don't want to talk about the fact that there is correction in faith. Um, that there is moments where we need to be there for others, and we need to we need to lead each other. You know, these this perspective of of having no direction and no discernment and no focus on each other. Um, 
you know, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Um, I'm trying to look up some more scripture real quick. Love one another. Love one another. Live the truth. All right, so Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is uh, inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That's a little living translation. Let's get a let's, let's look at some other ones, okay? Um, so the Amplified Version uh, in uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error, and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and and privately behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage uh, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, you know, we're talking about scripture, you know, God gives us scripture to show who we are and how we are and everything. And I know that you're like, how does this correlate to love? Well, God shows us this love through his scripture. God gives us this love through our scripture, you know, and we are called to correct each other. When it comes to correcting each other, we need to make sure that we are, um, and when we are called to correct each other, uh, we need to do it kindly, of course, but sometimes it depends on the receiver. You know, sometimes a receiver can take it, take it bad, or take it like you're you're putting them down or you're judging them. Um, and by the way, air quotes were used during that judging part. Um, you know, in First Thessalonians five uh, twelve through twenty two, it says, "We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you." and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Seek that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to anyone, or to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. So when we were talking about love and identity, you know, how we identify in love, that's how this correction comes in. This is how this, uh, when we're, when you think of love from a parent, do you think that they're always going to be kind and sweet and you know, no, there's punishment involved in that love. And that punishment, you know, some people deem see punishment as a horrible thing. But that's because of how they were punished or why they were punished in certain aspects. Bringing out honesty in people is an interesting factor when it comes to punishment. You know, I heard about, uh, I was watching a, you know, TikTok. And there's this one girl talking on there about how uh, her parents really instilled in her the, um, you know, that honesty is best, you know, that don't lie. I mean, they still got in trouble because they, 
they did something, but if you don't lie, I mean, the repercussions might be better. You know, like, hey, I did this. It was a bad choice. This is what happened. And it's one of those things where sometimes people, you know, when, when you, you come to them with this factor, with these, with these things, and you talk to them about stuff, this love can come. Now, I know we've gotten off topic. We're far to the left. Let's bring it back to the conversation of identity. We are within identity. Uh, If you're a Christian, you identify as a follower of Christ, or you should. Um, But there's certain indicators, you know, that are supposed to identify us uh, as a believer. And everyone knows these scriptures. Everyone should know these scriptures. If not, we need to have a conversation, people. need to have a full conversation about this, but it's, uh, I'm going to read the full scripture that comes before it. So we're going to look at what is, what is not being a Christian and what is being a follower, a Christian. Okay. So we're going to read Galatians five and we're going to read 16, uh, all the way through 26. So follow along. If you got your Bibles, you know, hopefully you should have it out, but if you're not, that's okay. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh flesh being sinful nature, secular, non-Christian. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to one uh, for each other, to keep you from doing uh, the things you do not want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That's a lot. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Reminder? There's a rebuke right there. There's Paul talking to these people. And he's correcting them in love, saying, this is not what you do. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, or envying one another. I love that verse 25 when it says, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step. Keep in step. You know, we're, we're following this path. We're going to continue on with it. You know, if we're keeping in step with the Spirit, we, we grow with the Spirit. We continue on. We continue this, this pattern, you know. Um, and it's very interesting if you look at, you know, how we identify, how we develop our identity in Christ. But the first thing we have to really realize is that God really does love us. No matter our current identity or our current factors, he loves us. And that's where people don't get it. They don't get it at all. Um, how can this person love me like that? How could this God love me in such a way that he gives us everything? Um, how can God love us in such a way that... He gives up everything. He gives up his son to die on the cross for our sins. How did Jesus have this much love? 
to come and rebuke and, and deal with all of these factors and all of these, these pressures and all these things that were placed upon him. How could he have done that for us? Why did he do that for us? Is a, is a big conversation and we'll either leave that to another day or the next uh, episode. So hopefully you'll join the barbaric shout again as we continue our conversation about identity.